right, I'm recording. I'm recording. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 65 of the Guardian Project Podcast. I'm your host, Andy. And of all the jobs we've seen on Zendikar, I'd want to be a, a thieving skydiver. Oh, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, okay, so I think I would actually, in real life, jump out of a plane. I mean, I think I would go skydiving. Would you go skydiving? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would even go kite sailing uh, as a free booter or something like that. <laughs> And that's not my intro. And I'm your co-host, Mike Coyle. And did you know that Sherlock Holmes was responsible for choosing the creature types for the legendaries from Zendikar Rising? I did not. That's elementals, my dear Watsy. <laughs> Please listen carefully. This is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. But mostly Commander. And before we start... Like always, we want to thank all of our patrons. We really do appreciate your support. Um, we messaged everybody in Discord tonight and said, hey, we're going to be doing a discussion on legendary creatures. Send us all your notes. We got some notes about talking about uh, Cherix, the new the new legendary crab. And they said, that's, that's what we want. Mm -hmm. So obviously, we must follow the rules. The folks want crabs. Folks want... <laughs> <laughs> and if you would like to support us and be part of the discussion and hang out with everybody in our discord um you can head over to patreon.com slash guardian project pod and support for any dollar amount and we appreciate that and if you're looking for another way to support the podcast some really really easy things you can do whatever you are listening to the podcast on right now or if you're watching it on youtube if you could subscribe follow leave a comment give us a review a like uh, anything really helps us. Any notes that you want to give us to help make the podcast better for you. I mean, we make this podcast for you. You are our viewers. Uh, we also have a TCG player affiliate link that you can find in the show notes below. So if you're looking to pick up any sealed product or singles from TCG player, maybe you're interested in some of the legendary creatures we're going to talk about today. If you could use our TCG player affiliate link, it helps us out a lot. It helps us do a couple fun things. I know we do some giveaways and stuff on some of our streams. And we need to do a, some of those soon. We've got so many packs piling up. Thank you to our, our followers who have sent those and we've opened them. We need to send them out now that our post offices are open again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, we had uh, Leslie from Tap That MTG. She joined our stream, and she just so happened to be the person that was selected for our foil alternate art brazen borrower that we opened from uh, one of the packs that we got through the Commander Reunion program. So that's a, you know, you can expect more of that in the future um, on our streams. We stream every Thursday, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time on twitch.tv slash atflory. So come check us out and check out our YouTube videos posted every Sunday. I should probably get a Twitch channel for the page and not just for me. It's okay. It's okay. We'll work on it. <laughs> if you want to come watch us, come to my personal page. <laughs> so um, what are we talking about this week? This week is all about Zendikar Rising. Yeah, I'm really excited. We're going we're gonna to talk a few mechanics just so people know what's going on. In case you don't know, uh, there's... You know, two brand new mechanics to the set, two returning mechanics. We'll talk about all four. And we're going to talk about every single legendary creature that's being printed in the block set. So we're actually not going to talk about the pre-con commanders this week. We're going to touch on them next week. So if you're looking for that, sorry, you're going to have to wait seven days. Seven 
Seven days. Seven days. <laughs> <laughs> so starting off with Zendikar Rising mechanics, we have we have some new stuff and we have some returning stuff. So we're starting out with modal double-faced cards. So like previous double-faced cards, modal double-faced cards will have two card faces, one on each side, but they don't transform. When you play one of these, you choose which face that you're playing. So... Um, they are coming in with generally a land on one side, and then on the other side, you may have an instant or a sorcery, or in some cases, a creature. So you might be good on mana, so you use the spell. You might be short on mana, so you need to play the land side, so you have mana for later in the game. Um, it says most of the rules that govern how transforming double face cards apply to the new um, modal variety, while it is in your hand, or graveyard or exile, it has the characteristics of its front face only. So if you're searching the library for a land, you cannot find a modal double face card whose front face is not a land. If an effect allows you to cast an instant from your graveyard, you could cast a card that is an instant, but you could not play the land side. Um, and then it also, it, it mentions before, so there's also token marker cards that help you, um, you know, make sure that you, you are playing the proper cards in commander. It, is probably not as important um, here, but um, it says to accomplish this, you can use either opaque sleeves or you can use a helper card. The helper card's a substitute for the actual double face card. Like the, the previous sets that had dual face cards, you got a, a token marker or a helper card as well. Um, you write down the name of the card that you're representing along with any other information visible on the card um, and that, that those are optional, but you should use opaque sleeves, if not both. Yeah, these uh, this this mechanic actually seems pretty cool. Uh, I yeah. think it's going to change huge how people actually build their decks. I mean, your land count, your your typical land count and standard being anywhere between uh, twenty and twenty six lands. Now you have these modal lands. A majority of them enter tapped, um, but I know the uh, were they printed at Mythic? The ones that the enter mythics untapped? have you have an ability to have you you can pay three life. You can bolt have them yourself. Out. Uh, you know what? In Commander, that's okay. But I know we're not talking too much about that. We're going to have so many notes on these next week. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so the next mechanic, the the other new mechanic for Zendikar Rising is Party! I actually think this is a pretty cool mechanic. Like, a lot. <laughs> Definitely. So we've we've seen cards in the past that uh, will, like, reduce the casting cost uh, for however many wizards you have or something. Maybe they printed a card in Zendikar Rising that does that. We're going to talk about later. It's on a legendary creature. Anyways, but <laughs> there's this new mechanic adventure that uh, allows either you to have... Um, extra effects for a card or cost reduction for a card uh, based on how many people you have in your party. And a party is defined as at most one of each of a cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. So if you have a cleric wizard, it only counts for one of them. Um, but you know, if you have two cleric wizards, you can have one count as a cleric, one count as a wizard. Uh, and it, it seems like a pretty cool mechanic. It seems um, like it's not going to break the format at all because, you know, the most cost reduction you can have for a spell is only four. Um, whereas if it just said for any amount of wizard, then, you know, cost reduction is technically infinite. Um, so I think this is this is cool. It's not going to be a broken mechanic. Probably won't see much play in um, like really 
high formats like modern or legacy, but they'll be great for standard. I would like someone to play the lizard wizard, <laughs> the elf lizard wizard. I believe it's elvish mist or um, uh, it's the, it's the counter spell green, green, blue, blue. What is the spell? Um, uh, fra- la- la. Mystical. Oh, no, it's, yeah, so that that is a, a lizard wizard. So I, I really like that you can play funky creature types because they have them tacked on somewhere into the spell. And obviously party has, um, it plays a component in some of the new legendaries that we're going to talk about today. Um, but it's I'm really excited to talk about party. Frilled mystic, by the frilled way. Frilled mystic. Frilled mystic, yes, is an elf lizard wizard. Yes, it is. It sure is. <laughs> um the net and then the final mechanic this is the one that's returning here is is kicker so kicker is an ability that um it's an optional cost that appears on all kinds of cards you can pay more to get more so cards like gnarled colony is a two two for two but it has kicker of two and a green if you um kicked it it enters with two plus one plus one counters on it so in most cases The kicker is pretty pretty nice if you have the open mana. Um, and then the very last mechanic is landfall. Yeah. So actually there were four. I, di- I forgot even that we were... <laughs> I just... I didn't even think about it that it was a specific mechanic because I was like, oh, it's just... It's landfall. Yeah. So the fourth mechanic, landfall, this one's returning. So when a land enters the battlefield under your control, you get something that, that you know, a creature can get a boost or you get an ability. Maybe you make a token if you're playing Omnath, Locus of Rage. Mm-hmm. Um Super popular mechanic. It was not a mechanic that appeared in the Battle for Zendikar block or Oath of the... Yeah, it wasn't there or in Oath of the Gatewatch, so it's really nice that it's coming back this time around. Yeah. Super popular from the very, very first Zendikar block. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to go through and touch base on all of the legendary creatures that have been previewed thus far. Um there were even some that were previewed today. Again, we're not going to touch base on those that come out of the uh, Commander Precons that are coming out with Zendikar Rising. And obviously, these are not a full in-depth look at every single one. This is mostly going to be us looking at it, what we think the strategy would be surrounding this commander, maybe some benefits, what decks it might fit into, and maybe even a couple of cards that we think that would really shine in a deck um, featuring that commander. So the first commander that we actually are going to talk about is um, Akiri Fearless Voyager. So Akiri Fearless Voyager is a 3-3 core warrior for one, a red and a white that has whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures, you draw a card and then it has an ability to pay a white. You may unattach an equipment from a creature you control. If you do tap that creature, it gains indestructible until end of turn. I Love this card. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. I mean, Boros with card draw. How could you be mad at Boros with card draw? Uh, you can't. I mean, I play Feather, and Feather is is I believe at this point the most popular Boros commander um, of of all time. I I don't know if it is specifically related to the fact that it has card draw, but it definitely has a lot of card draw. And this commander. It, the, the way that it's worded and you know as we were doing our research it does say um that whenever an attack you you attack a player with uh, one or more equipped creatures you draw a card so if you swing with an equipped creature at each of your three opponents you will in fact draw three cards you won't just draw one card that is fantastic a lot of equipment give your creature indestructible yeah. which is 
or or maybe evasion or or, or something protection from colors if you're playing swords. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really strong, and I think that the the ability to unattach for one white at instant speed um, is fantastic because you can do it to protect a creature from a board wipe or perhaps unattach something. If maybe you had lightning greaves on a creature, you can un unattach that and then you can use a protection spell. Well, I guess lightning greaves has shroud, so I guess that's not a, a great example, but if it was maybe your only creature and um, they were well, no, I don't know. And so it, it, it's very situational here, obviously. So I think I think it's really cool that you can unattach it if you if you wanted to move something else to it, like a lightning greaves, to move something else onto it. Right. And uh, I know when this first came out, you know, obviously the combat trick to to unattach and make indestructible is, is pretty cool. But then you know, what if someone, you know, it does a second spell to do it? One, you get to burn two spells, which is great. But yeah, uh, everyone knows about cranial plating. Um, cranial plating is an artifact where you can actually, uh, it's a, it's an equipment where you can pay black, black and equip at instant speed. Obviously mm -hmm. that's not going to be played in Boros, but there is an entire cycle of this equipment. So healer's headdress is the white one. So you can pay two white to equip it to something and then pay one white to unequip it and make the thing indestructible. So for three white, you can make any one of your creatures indestructible, uh, with a Kiri. So I thought that was pretty cool. That actually is, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. So that if your creature is unequipped, you have the ability to at least protect it later. Um, no, that that's great. Um, I think the 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 other thing that I I was looking at is that you can play with the new um, or not new. You can you can find another way to benefit from playing with the art artifacts that are living weapons. So they come in and they automatically equip to a zero zero germ. So you can equip additional artifacts to that creature and then unequip one of them so that the creature still lives as long as its toughness is above zero. But I feel like a Kiri playing Boros, you you want equipment that's going to also make a creature when it comes in, obviously, because that, that would that would benefit this deck a lot. So, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I yeah, think Living Weapon would be really fun for this. Yeah. You play a couple anthems or something, make it so your germs don't even die when you unequip. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. All right, so the, the next legendary creature we're talking about is Ashaya, Soul of the Wild. So Ashaya is a legendary creature elemental for three green green, and its power and toughness says star slash star. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> so Ashaya's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. Uh, but Ashaya also has an extra ability that says non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to their other types. So... This is like mono green ramp, 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 ramp. 100%. As long as you're not playing a token strategy, but if you're playing this deck, you don't play a token strategy and, and you're good to go. But um, you can still have even the supporting themes for the token strategy if you want. Yeah. Because you know, you're likely playing maybe some landfall themes here and Avenger of Zendikar still going to go a long way. For sure. Yeah. Every time you cast a creature, you get a landfall trigger. Uh, as long, again, as long as it's a non-token. Um, and uh, you have Nissa Who Shakes the World that was just printed in War of the Spark. Make it so all your forests tap for double, and now all your creatures are, are forests already. Um, maybe you're going to play uh, a Shia in the 99, and you're going to play like a... Um, is it a spring? Not spring bloom druid. What am I thinking of? The one that can tap for one mana of all colors. That they a, also, a land? Nope, it's a creature. 
It's the elf. They they also printed the green white uh, dryad in the more recent set that does something very similar. Taps for one color of mana if you control a permanent of that color. Anyway, that's going to tap for double when you have a, a Nissa who shakes the world out there. Or maybe you're just going to have a Nyx Bloom Ancient out there to so make it so all your creatures tap for three green every time so you tap a forest. Yes, and I think one thing that's important to note is if they come in as a land, you can't tap them as a land immediately because they have summoning sickness. Right. So you do, you you might benefit from a haste enabler, like a concordant crossroads would be really nice here. Um, a card that I play in, in my Slimefoot deck, which I think is also very fun for, for this deck, would be a card like Spore Mound. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you get a 1-1 green sapperling. So although it's only a token and it doesn't, um, you know, benefit in in the way that a non-token would. Mm-hmm. Um, you you still are are benefiting from from just playing non non-land or non-token creatures, right? Um, and then the, the you know the the only other issue here is you, you're going to want to run some some form of it, of indestructible. Um, <laughs> because this I feel like this deck. As the commander, although it's super fun, like I really like my Noyandar deck, it suffers in a similar way that your your resources are now all in jeopardy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because your token, your 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 non-token creatures are also land, so you, you can easily lose those, I guess, in the same way that it opens them up to, I guess, a little bit more removal. Is, but is all I'm saying here. It, it, it does. It does sometimes dodge some removal, though. So, so there's some removal sure. out there that says destroy mm-hmm. target non-land permanent, and your your commander can no longer even be targeted by that because as long as your commander is out, it is also a forest land. It is very great. It dodges. Um, it dodges cyclonic rift. Return yep. all non-land permanents. So, uh, so if you're a, if you don't like cyclonic rift and it's played against you a lot. Check out Ashaya, Soul of the Wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the next commander here is Drana, the last blood chief. So we've, swe- we've seen Drana three times. Last time she was um, making 1-1 counter, or putting a lot of 1-1 counters on your creatures. Mm-hmm. It's a huge staple in Edgar Markov. Yep. Um, this time around, she is the last blood chief, um, a 4-4 vampire cleric for three black black. So for five mana, she has flying. And whenever Drana, the last blood chief, attacks, defending player chooses a non-legendary creature in your graveyard. You return that card to the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it. And it's a vampire in addition to its other types. So you will, you you can play a reanimation strategy, although your opponent is getting some choices. It does make the game interesting and, and gets people involved. You know, if, if someone isn't doing a whole lot and you're just trying to swing, it gives them, you know, some interaction in the game. Yeah. Um, but it's nice because every time you swing, you reanimate a creature from your graveyard. So throwing things in the graveyard or your stuff dying is actually not so bad this time around. Right. Yeah, I know... Uh, I play a lot of mono black reanimator as as some people might know. And the the one big concern that people brought out is like, oh, mono black really loves their legendary creatures. What about these non-legendaries? Are they even that great? Uh, yeah, they are. 
Uh, Can I introduce you to the Grey Merchant of Asphodel? It's pretty good, like uh, Uncommon. <laughs> used to be printed at Common. It's not legendary. <laughs> Um, you know, again, there there has been discussion about the downside of it being non-legendary, and obviously the only other downside is that your opponent picks. But there's some there's some ways to get around that, right? So you can cards you can use cards that have delve. So you can cherry pick your graveyard. So murderous cut, empty the pits, um, whatever you want. Get rid of maybe you've got two creatures, or maybe you have three creatures. Get rid of two of them and maybe a couple of random other cards in your graveyard. And then when you swing, they only have the option to give you back the creature that you want. Delve mm-hmm. spells, I think, um, are also a little underrated, especially if you know that you can't reanimate something in your grave graveyard and someone else is playing a reanimation strategy. You can get rid of your own creature and say, you know what, it's not worth it because they might get my creature, which is really going to hurt me. Yeah. Um, and then the other benefit is it is just a reanimation strategy. So you don't have to only reanimate with your commander. It probably works really well if you're using other reanimate cards and you can still run non-legend or you can still run legendary creatures. It's it not a big deal. Yeah, uh, just cast your buried alive and make sure Phyrexian Delver is the only non-legendary that you throw in the graveyard and put your <laughs> Shieldred and Razaketh in there too and you're going to get one of them back. <laughs> yeah i'm I, so i'm actually really excited for drena and uh i might i might make that deck I, I mean you should i mean it's always fun to try out even if you play it once or twice for stream or just to hang out i really like you know with, with friends i i like i like seeing the new decks and there's quite a few in the set that i would like to try out um because a lot of them have staple cards and then some funky cards that are very affordable to try out for sure so the next legendary creature we're going to talk about is Grackmaw, Skyclave Ravager. So Grackmaw is a Hydra Horror that costs one, a black, and a green for a zero, zero. Uh-oh. But when Grackmaw enters, <laughs> when Grackmaw enters the battlefield, it, it'll uh, come in with three plus one, plus one counters on it. Has a, uh, two extra abilities after that. Whenever another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one, plus one counter on it, put a plus one, plus one counter on Grackmaw. And when Grackmaw dies, create an XX black and green Hydra creature token where X is the number of plus one, plus one counters on Grackmaw. This card has just the right amount of text that I will misplay hard <laughs> and it will be so great the whole game. Oh, I was supposed to do that? Oh, oh shoot! I forgot three turns ago when these two creatures died. That's that's what this card says for me. <laughs> yeah. So so this card definitely cares about plus one plus one counters more than anything. It kind of has a, a token cares a little bit as well. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's like built in. I think this card will work better as like a 99 in the the Saltai Hydra's uh, deck that's been pretty popular using legendary creature from this last precon from the Otrimi precon. Um, as I just don't see it being super impactful in the command zone itself. Sure. Um, but you know, if, if you, you can play, um, populate strategies with this really well, I think token doubler strategies maybe isn't the route that you want to go, but doubling season is going to work really good for you both ways. You're going to get double the plus one plus one counters. You're going to get double the tokens when it dies. Um, maybe you want to play um, Hydra's, is it Hydra's Growth? The enchantment that uh, where you double Doubles the number of plus one, plus one counters every, yeah, at every upkeep. Uh, and so that way, even if someone kills your Grackmaw, you're going to have a giant token in its place. 
I, you know, I think this card also fits really well into uh, one of the partners, um, Rayhan, uh, last of the Abzan, mm -hmm. uh, really likes likes uh, cards like this. So Rayhan says that when um, a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, if it had one or more plus one plus one counters, you may move that onto target creature. So um, you can throw this in there because it cares about counters. And oh. What it okay? What if you played this with the Ozolith? Yeah, so you do it with the yeah. Ozolith with a sacrifice oh, outlet so, so that you can gross. kill it main phase one, make the token, <laughs> and then put all the counters on the token. And now the token is actually double the power that Grackma was. You start oh, throwing gross. weird stuff in like doubling season, and every time the counters move from one permanent to the next, it doubles and then doubles and then doubles. And oh, yeah, there's some crazy, crazy stuff you can do with it. I, I do think it's a little bit limited uh, being only in green black, but I love your idea about Rayhan. I mean, now you can add another two colors or maybe one color. You know, Commander Legends is coming up. We're going to have a lot of monocolor uh, com uh, partner commanders coming out of there. So. And then it, I think it also fits in Gave, Guru of Spores. So Gave oh. enters with five counters. You can pay one, remove a counter from a creature and make a 1-1 one, one Sapperling or sack a creature and put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. So, <clears throat> you know, I think... This this definitely will find a home, and the fact that it only costs three mana, I mean that's perfect. You know, some sometimes you just want something on three, um, but later on, three mana is not. You know, I feel like when you start getting into the fours, fives, and sixes is when it gets you know iffy, depending on your color. Three is great, um, and I mean even with a sack outlet and returning this, even in like a Marin deck would be fun because you're getting the token after it leaves. Right. So, yeah, I really like this card. Um, the next card that we're talking about is uh, Kaza, Royal Chaser. So Kaza, Royal Chaser is a human wizard for uh, a blue and a red, two mana for a one-two with flying and haste that says tap Raza. The next instant or sorcery ca uh, spell you cast this turn costs X less, where X is the number of wizards you control as this ability resolves. So this, by far is the most it's calling to me to throw a wizard deck together. I wanted at one point I wanted to build Anala, <clears throat> Anala wizard, you know, although that also has black. Mm -hmm. um, this seems really fun to reduce the cost of really expensive spells. It it's tribal. I love me some tribal. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, it's always fun to cast spells that cost eight, nine mana when you can afford to because people just don't see cards like Clone Legion come out very often. But you could cast a Clone Legion, I bet, pretty easily with Kaz or Royal Chaser. Oh yeah. So yeah. Um, the wizard theme is obviously what we're going with here. It is likely just a spell slinger deck with wizards in, um, added and wizards like spells. Yeah. If you didn't know, <laughs> wizards cast spells they sometimes. They do do that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I would also like to see things like Pull from Tomorrow, you know, or or um, Blue Sun Zenith that yeah. have, you know, X in their in their mana cost. Expansion Explosion is, you know, leaving standard soon, but um, is, is a solid spell to cast or, or, or like Blatant Blatant Thievery or Clone Legion that are just expensive spells that mm -hmm. that become affordable spells because you control four wizards that cost you 
you know, two mana or three mana each. Like that's very doable. Yeah, maybe you want to do like a rights of replication in there and just like make a bunch of wizards to make it so that on the next turn you're just going to mill somebody out or something with the giant. Yeah, that'd spell. be interesting. You know, one downside is that it does say it's it's the next instant or sorcery and not all until end of turn, mm-hmm. so it reduces one. But <clears throat> it's it's a little reminiscent of playing the um um. It was a commander that is also a planeswalker, Sahili. Sahili, uh, the, yes. the gifted, that it makes it feel a little cheaper for the number of artifacts you have. But mm-hmm. if you're playing playing artifacts that allow you to untap target creature or a permanent, you can continuously tap to reduce the cost of spells. Um, like Staff of Domination would be pretty great with this. You, I just need to untap my commander because I can technically afford to cast two I don't know, nine or 10 CMC cards in one turn because I have six mana and I've got, you know, seven wizards or something. Right. It, it is important to note that uh, it is not tapping for mana. It is just cost reduction. And that right. cost reduction is on the resolution of the ability. So someone can activate it and maybe someone has an instant speed board wipe or something. Then you're not going to get any cost reduction on your next spell. Absolutely. So the next legendary creature we're going to talk about is Linvala, Shield of the Seagate. This time she's back and people aren't as upset. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly a little bit underwhelmed by this commander, but I'd like to hear your opinion on it okay, uh, since okay. it's blue-white. So Linvala, Shield of the Seagate, uh, is a 3-3 three, three for 3. So you have one, a white and a blue, and you get a flying 3-3 angel wizard. And that wizard part is actually very important for this particular set um, because of the adventure mechanic um, or party mechanic. At the beginning of combat, she has the ability at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, choose target non-land permanent and opponent controls. Until your next turn, it can't attack or block and its active abilities can't be activated. Maybe you could call that it's detained or something. Um, <laughs> and it has an additional ability. It says sacrifice Linvala, choose hexproof or indestructible. Creatures you control gain that ability until end of turn. So when I was looking at Linvala, I don't play a whole lot of blue white. I just thought I'm going to just try to get really big permanence on the board that hopefully will solidify a party so that I can take one permanent uh, out uh, per turn and you know have that extra caveat of, of allowing my big creatures that I'm getting out on the board uh, to have hexproof or indestructible if I need it you know kind of have a, a selfless spirit at all points in time so selfless spirit in the command zone um, but you have access to blue as well maybe it's a little bit limited and only blue white uh, but this this creature definitely belongs in like any angel tribal or tribal tribal deck. Um, because you do get that indestructible or hexproof if you want it. Right. So I, I don't think Limvala this time around is going to be one of the most popular commanders from this set. Um, but, you know, the Azorius Mage and me, when this was previewed, I, of course, did the, the instant uh, scryfall searches and the Googles and the, and the checking with others on, on confirmations of whether or not something works. And there are a couple of um, gross things that you can do with this card. Um, so specifically, you you can um, play with cards like Gift of Immortality, 
so that you can sack your creature, grant the ability to your creatures, either hexproof or indestructible, and then Limvala returns at the end, end step and Gift of Immortality comes back. You can rinse and repeat every turn. Um, but there is an enchantment, Angelic Renewal, that says when a creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you can sack Angelic Renewal if you do return that card to the battlefield. And the way that you can stack Linvala's trigger is you can sack it, give your creatures indestructible, Angelic Renewal triggers, you return Linvala, she gives herself indestructible. And then um, if you have ways to bring... Um, that, that, that's where I haven't gotten that far yet because we, you know, obviously we're talking about 17 commanders today. And so we weren't doing a complete deep dive, but I'm trying to figure out how I can get that angelic renewal back. But with gift of immortality, you at least get to, you know, bring Limvala back and you don't, you don't have any issues, but there, there is, <laughs> there is like a lock, unfortunately, that you can do with Magus of the Disc. You pay one and tap it, destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. And with the way you sack all of your items, you can return Limvala with Gift of Immortality and Magus of the Disc, and your other creatures get indestructible. Um, it's gross. So I don't plan on doing that, but there are there are a couple of things you can do with this deck. And she already gets added to your party because she is a wizard herself. Right. So you only have to find three. You have to find the warrior, the cleric, and the rogue to fit into it. Um, I don't know how many exist in the Azorius colors. I assume you've got a fair amount of options for each of those, mm -hmm. each of those creature types. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting deck to see. There's definitely there's definitely blue rogues. There's definitely white clerics. Um, so yeah, I think they could. I think you can round it out. Uh, one one artifact that actually is gonna do very similar things to the to the combos you talked about is Lifeline from the Urza's block. So when, whenever a creature is put into a graveyard and a creature is in play, return that creature from your graveyard to play at end of turn. So kind of yeah. gives kind of gives you like a lifeline acts as a as a she ray uh, for all colors. So it's a colorless yeah. artifact. I okay. think it is a little pricey because I think it is reserve list. But uh, yeah, no, if you if you can, you've got to some pick options. Up, and, and if you have it, you, you you know if you have it, then you've got some pretty good options there. Um, the next commander is Morag, Fury of Akum. I think this is one of the more popular ones that people have been talking about as a commander and in the 99 of so many decks. So this is a Minotaur Warrior. It's a 6-6 six, six for four red red, so six mana. And it says each creature you control gets plus one plus O oh for each time it has attacked this turn. And then it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there's an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control, so you get to constantly swing with them. Um, so this is a mono-red landfall extra combat deck, yeah. or just card that focuses on that. And um, the, the benefit here is if you can play two, three, four lands during your main phase, you do stack two, three, four, or more combats um, and the thing you just have to remember is there's no main phase in between. So, so if you were planning on untapping and casting some spells in between, you don't get that. But if you're, if you're swinging four times, they're getting plus four at that and that last combat. So it's plus two and then plus three and then plus four. That's a whole lot of damage. That's a lot of damage. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the, the, when, when this card first came out, I immediately thought like, oh, does, doesn't Sword of the Animus just make this go infinite? Says, no, because that's during your combat step that that landfall trigger would happen. So you wouldn't get it. But you can play cards like 
terrain generator. So you can pay two and tap it to put a basic land from your hand into play. You know, you do that during your main phase. And the reason I say that is because mono red is typically not the color you want to be for extra lands uh, and to play extra lands. So the one thing I thought of, because this this particular creature reminds me a lot of uh, Godo, uh, mono, mm-hmm. mono red, all about infinite combats. Uh, if if you're playing it in the CEDH format, um, but the the equipment that it, that Goto really likes is Helm of the Host. So having multiple Morogs, and you're getting multiple combats, and each one will see a landfall trigger. Meaning, if you so I, I did a little bit of calculations. <laughs> I did some statistics. So let's say you have Morog and Helm of the Host. You go into your combat. Now you have two Morogs out there. And you go to your second main phase and you decide you're going to play an Evolving Wilds. Now, playing that Evolving Wilds gets you two extra combat phases already because you have two Morogs. And you go into that those two extra combat phases and you're going to have four Morogs at the end of both of those combat phases. <laughs> and then you crack that Evolving Wilds in your second main and now you have four <laughs> more combat steps where you're getting four more Morogs. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, so you can be taking uh, seven extra combats with just a Helm of the Host and an Evolving Wilds uh, and your and your commander, uh, giving all of your creatures at the end of it plus seven plus O. Oh. I would, it's like, it's like that meme. I would like to see it. Uh-huh. I would like to see that happen. And on top of it, you're playing Mono Red, so you're, you have access to the extra combat cards already. Aggravated Assault is an enchantment that allows you to pay five, untap your creatures after this phase. There's a combat phase and then an additional main phase, so that's nice. Seize the day, untap target creature after this phase. There's an additional combat followed by an additional main, and that has flashback. But Morag allows you to untap your creatures on the extra combats. That, that it gets from the landfall trigger. So sometimes these might just be, you needed just one more and you could take out somebody or one more person. Um, and it makes blocking really difficult because sure uh, extremely difficult. And if you can, you're in red, so you can play cards like Goblin War Drums um, that give your creatures um, menace or you can play cards like Fervor that give them haste so you can um, you know attack right away. It just... I think, or the cards that make all creatures swing every single combat. And then you're like, oh, I'm just going to go to seven combats real quick. And I know you all swung. So (laughs) good luck. You know, I I think this deck will be super fun. Personally, I'm going to add this to, I have a dedicated Omnath Locus of Rage deck that Mm -hmm. is based on landfall. This is 100%. I want, I want it. I need it. I need (laughs) it. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. But I also didn't even think about it until I, uh, you know, I was, I didn't think about it immediately, but my Nikia deck, my Gruul and Nikia deck that doubles my mana to cast, um, my spells, but I can't cast instants or sorceries. This creature would be great because Nikia is just playing big old things and I can drop lands and then swing with those huge things multiple times in a turn. Um, and then I put together, a, a, a Minotaur deck, Sethron Herloom Minotaur, um, which I'll be playing on stream this week. And um, it's a Minotaur. So, so it's gotta go it, in. it has to go in the Minotaur deck, obviously. Yeah. Uh, something something that maybe I can recommend to you, Andy, live here on the podcast. Live. But, you're, you're hearing it here. But since you are going to be playing Akum in a Gruul deck, uh, if you actually play some of the green creatures, 
uh, like Lanoir Scout, that tap to put a land from your hand onto the battlefield. You can do that during your main phase, then untap all your creatures during the combat, then do it during the next main phase, and then do it again and do it again. As long as you have lands in your hand, you're having an extra combat. Yeah, no, it's it's very good, and you do untap it, and I did not... Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a really good idea because he untaps. Well, is it all? It's just untap all, not even untap all that attacked. It's just untap them. You got it. Yeah, so you can put in the even the 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 colorless creature that that puts in in the in the lands. Um, I play that in my Maloku the Clouded Mirror deck, and I can't remember um, which card that was. We're going to be talking about is Omnath Locus of Creation. So we finally got a four color Omnath. So Omnath Locus of Creation uh, for a red, a green, a white, and a blue. You get a four four legendary elemental. It says when Omnath Locus of Creation enters the battlefield, draw a card. Who doesn't like drawing cards? Second ability it. it has is Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life if this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, you add red, green, white, blue. If it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. I think this yeah. is a lot bigger of a deal than people think. Um, it does... It, it it doesn't do like I think angry Omnath, the, the, the red green Omnath is still like the it creates a five five with every single landfall is just so much damage. But free mana is pretty good, too. I mean, on on turn five with just a simple fetch land, you're going to have nine mana to spend. That's without any ramp whatsoever. And you're also gaining four life every turn as long as you have Omnath out there. I'm I'm. I mean, I'm not sure if the third ability is really going to be super, super relevant. Obviously, extra damage is always nice, and killing Planeswalkers, every single one of them, is pretty cool, too. Um, but I do believe blinking this Omnath would make it a new entity, uh, and you'd be able to get its landfall triggers actually multiple times per turn. I assume there's some sort of infinite combo to in order to get that second landfall trigger multiple, multiple, multiple times to keep uh, refilling your mana pool with that four mana. But I, honestly, the most important uh, thing to me when I'm looking at this Omnath is you now have access to white and white actually has uh, quite a few good uh, landfall cards, some being printed in, in this new set. I know there's an uncommon creature that has landfall. All of your creatures get plus one, plus one until end of turn. If you can, you know, do like six landfalls all in one turn, all your creatures getting plus six, plus six. Obviously, we know about Avenger of Zendikar to get all of your plants extra plus one, plus ones. Um, so, you know, you get you get access to a lot more cards, even a lot more uh, fetch lands. If you have if you have the, the capacity um, to to purchase fetch lands, um, you, you get access to even more of them now that you have a fourth color. And uh, it's going to make the mana base a little bit more expensive price wise, but um, it's going to be, I think, very, very powerful. So, you know, it's funny because I said I, I didn't think this one necessitates an elemental theme, although it doesn't hurt because you, you still can. It's right. Great option. Um, but it, it, I don't even know if it's what this Omnath really wants to do. Like the last two were elemental tribal, right? Because um, the teamer one cares about elementals, the mm -hmm. the 
the gruel one cares about elementals. The, the mono green is like, lands for days. That's what I have. Give me that mana. And so the standard land, landfall ramp package is great here. Um, is it original? Yeah, probably not. But you get to add white. And so I was looking online. I was looking at lists, trying to figure out what people were saying um, as well when I was looking at what I would want. And it does appear that white is getting wraths spot removal it what white does i mean it's it's really nice having access to that um so i i think the four damage to each opponent might not be relevant but if you get three lands in a single turn like two or three times i mean that's that's 12 damage or 16 damage and it just four damage is not nothing when it happens maybe two or three times in a game right <laughs> like oh shoot i started out at 32 and not 40 this game or 28 not 40 yeah if you thought azusa and land tax was good combo before look out now <laughs> look out for omnath locus of creation the the next commander is a cleric tribal deck uh, aura skyclave Hierophant. So it is a 3-3 core cleric for two, a white and a black. Uh, it has lifelink. And whenever Aura Skyclave Hierophant or another cleric you control dies, return target cleric with lesser CMC from your graveyard to the battlefield. So classic aristocrat strategy. You're in white and black. Classic colors for it. I mean, we've seen Tesa Karlov does this well. Uh, just throw in clerics instead of non-clerics and you're golden. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that sacrificing and reanimating while doing damage, so you've got things like um, Zulaport, Cutthroat, Blood Artist, things like that are already solid strategies that are proven and work really well. Um, And then adding, adding the cleric tribal here makes it, makes it really interesting. So there's cards like Whisper Blood Liturgist that sacks creatures and then returns a different creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you can sacrifice creatures, bring them back right away. Um, it can be used to just get stuff into the graveyard. I think um, my favorite card though that I found so far in researching this commander is Celestial Gatekeeper. It is a bird cleric that has when it dies, you may exile it and return two birds or clerics from your graveyard to the battlefield. Interesting. So um, I, I think this deck, I think this deck's going to be very fun. Like if you're, and if you're already into playing the cleric deck, which is a lot of, I mean, I've seen a lot of pillow forts. So you've got things like, um, th- there's one that has tap it and you prevent the next X damage where X is number of clerics you control. Yep. It's a Kithkin. Oh my gosh, I can't remember what it's called. They used to have a tabletop, like a, a casual 60 card deck that we would play with people. And um, I, I ran four of like every cleric. If you get four of that cleric out, it's crazy. But in Commander, you have the same number of clerics, which was kind of the whole point. It was just having a, a ton. Um, Battletide Alchemist? Battletide Alchemist. But there's a lot of clerics in white-black that just have some really useful abilities. And you can bring them back pretty easily in, yeah. in these colors. 
Yeah, I know when when people talk cleric tribal, um, a, a lot of times they're talking cleric demon tribal and they're talking shadowborn apostle. You don't get a big benefit by playing this particular commander, shadowborn apostle, since shadowborn apostles are only one CMC and there are zero zero CMC clerics for you to return. Um, but the in a shadowborn apostle deck, the most important cleric you have is a three CMC cleric called Edgewalker, which makes your clerics cost black white less, and you can get Edgewalker from your graveyard when your commander aura dies. So that's actually um, you know some extra protection for your combos if you decide to take that route. I do recommend not taking that route and going full cleric tribal because people don't do that, and it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, there's there's cards that are currently in standard, like Veto, Thorn of the Dusk Rose. You can give your creatures lifelink. It's a cleric itself for three CMC. Um, Mangara, the Diplomat, solid mono white draw card strategy here. Um, you, you, I think there's some really good options. And then um, I won't I won't mention it yet, but there's a com- another legendary that we're going to talk about that fits well into this deck as well. Tabrax is so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next legendary creature we're going to talk about is Pylath, World Sculptor. So I really like this this uh, this legendary creature, and we'll we'll go into why. Uh, so Pylath is a six CMC five five elemental. So for four, a red and a green. Um, you get uh, a creature that says when Pylath World Sculptor enters the battlefield, create a 0-1 green plant creature token for each basic land you control. And then has the additional ability of landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put four plus one plus one counters on target plant you control. Now, I do wish Pylath... Uh, itself was a plant so that that landfall trigger could target pilot it's like the one thing i dislike about this card um a lot of people are comparing this to avenger of zendikar and avenger of zendikar has when it enters the battlefield you get a zero one plant for each land you control so it doesn't actually have that basic land um caveat that pilot has and avenger of zendikar also has a landfall trigger it says whenever land enters the battlefield under your control you get to put a plus one plus one counter on each plant you control which can in most cases, put more than four plus one plus one counters on your creatures in total. So then, Coil, why why do you like this guy so much? Well, it costs one less than Avenger of Zendikar, and it's in the command zone. And those are the important parts to me. Mm-hmm. There is this really, really sweet enchantment that's being reprinted in the, uh, the list in the new set Zendikar boosters called Food Chain which goes <laughs> real crazy with cards like this. So Food Chain says, uh, exile target creature you control and add uh, mana equal to that creature's CMC plus one uh, to your mana pool, and, and it's in any combination. So let's say you have, let's say you're playing all basic lands or only fetch lands that can uh, grab your basic lands in this particular deck because you still want some landfall triggers. Uh, you're going to have six plants that come out. You can Food Chain and kill... Phyleth and one plant token and recast Phyleth. It's not infinite, but you can call it pseudo infinite as long as you have a pinging uh, sort of strategy going on, whether it's Warstorm Surge um, or uh, I guess Warstorm Surge isn't going to do it for you here because they'd be taking zero damage. But uh, if you had like Perforos, OG Perforos to do two damage every time creature enters play, 
again, another combo people play with Avenger of Zendikar. You're going to be able to play all those things. But I think the added addition of being able to food chain this commander is going to make it uh, playable. You know, I think this one's nice, though, for, for new players. So I did have to read this card like two or three times because it, it only counts your basic lands, right. which is, you know, a pretty big um, difference between it and Avenger of Zendikar. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing is if you already have an expensive mana base, this might not be the card for your deck. Right. You know, I, I took a look at my Omnath deck and I only run um, like I think I only run like 13 basics. And so the problem is this probably isn't going to do a whole lot for me in that deck because I'm running a lot of non-basics. I'm running a lot of um, I'm just running a lot of non-basics. Right. And so because of that, I'm not going to get the plants. So if you're in a less expensive mana base, though, and less less basics, this is a fantastic card to start out playing Commander with. Definitely. Um, and, if, and, and if your mana base is going to be more set on basics, maybe you'll be able to afford more expensive cards like Food Chain. <laughs> correct. Correct. Well, and I'm curious, you know, we'll, we'll obviously chat more about the list ne- next week, I assume, because now, now the list is spoiled. But it's also only two colors. So having a budget mana base is completely doable. Absolutely. You literally don't have to worry because chances are you're going to have your two colors. This is only green and red. It's not like green, green, red, red, like the Omnath Locus of Rage, which is very coloring intensive mm-hmm. um again landfall strategy here not surprising it's a huge theme on zendikar i i would put this into a 99 as opposed to building the commander i did not think about the food chain strategy um but it's good because coil focuses on a lot of he follows a lot of the the competitive strategies and so mm-hmm. he'll bring he'll you know he'll send me a message and go oh my god look at this and i go <laughs> Who thoughts of this? Who, th- who thinks of this? Who thought of this? Why why would you do this to me? And, and it's so interesting because it's just people think about so things so differently. You know, I was like, play one land per turn, move along. And then when when I built my command and people were saying, oh, you should play this because it lets you play two lands. And then if you also have an Azusa, you get to play another. And then I was like, so I could play six lands per turn. Mm-hmm. This is glorious. So, you know, I, I think I think this is a great deck for a new player. Green, red, great colors to learn how to play magic. Absolutely. Um, and so I do think that this would be a, a card to put in my Omnath deck. It could be literally a one-for-one one switch. Yep. I could just say, you know what? For this game on stream, I'm going to play Omnath. And for the next game, I'm going to play um, Phylath. And it's going to do the exact same thing. And it, it fits. I mean, there. I, I, I don't think there's cards that I have in my Omnath deck that would not work with this. Which would be really nice to to just be able to to showcase another card with a similar strategy. Yeah, just think about having Phylath and Avenger of Zendikar on the battlefield. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next card is Tabarax, Hope's Demise. This is our next legendary um, demon cleric. It is a 2-2 two, two for two and a black. So three mana total for a flyer that says... Tabarax Hope's Demise has lifelink as long as it has five or more plus one plus one counters on it. And whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you put a plus one plus one counter on Tabarax. And if a creature was a cleric, you also draw a card. If you do, lose one life. So the first thing that I thought, and I honestly think that I messaged Coil was, who asked for this 
Shadowborn Apostle Commander. Uh, everyone, <laughs> everyone who plays Kurik, Shadowborn Apostle, has been asking for this Shadowborn Apostle Commander instead. And the best part is, it works well with Shadowborn Apostle if you want to play that that niche demon deck, which it, it absolutely does. But it's just really cool to put. This is perfect for the ninety nine of so many decks. It's just, do you have creatures that die often? Well, welcome to the 99 of this deck. Tasa Karlov, hello. This yeah. needs to be in there. Do I have clerics? I honestly can't tell you if I do. Do I care? No, because it's probably going to be a 7-7 flying lifelink demon that sometimes you just need to be able to swing a bigger stick at someone else and say, well, I can beat you first because I'm swinging with a 15-15. What do you have? Yeah. No, for sure. And uh, I mean, uh, obviously, being the person that I am, I immediately went Shadowborn Apostle. And uh, I mean, I looked at that, too. It's really cool. And, and you know, how how many how many cards am I going to get to draw uh, when I go grab Villas as my first demon that I that I grab? Um, but even if you're <laughs> even if you like, let's say you're, you're playing black, white um, Shadowborn Apostle, like if you have either our new aura uh, a legendary creature as your commander, if you're going with the OG A3Os as your commander, sticking uh, Tabrax in the 99 as one of the demons that you can actually grab. Absolutely. I mean, it's solid. It's it's going to draw you more cards. And if, if that's what you want to do, if you need a little bit of lifelink going on, this is it's only three mana, too. So, you know, one problem that some of these Shadowborn Apostle decks have is late game, you're top decking and you accidentally top deck, or even early game, you're top decking, you actually top deck your 8CMC demon and you can't get it out on the battlefield. You top deck a 3CMC demon. Yeah, all day. I'll cast that. Absolutely. You know, and I there was a lot of discussion online. This fits really well into decks like Maron of Clan Eltoth and Muldrotha very, very well. Um, you just... Having a creature that can give you more life later in the game, Marin is just an engine, and it can it can just steamroll. I mean, Marin was one of those decks we talked about. I actually think Maldroth. I think both of those commanders were in our. Um, you need to instantly remove these creatures if they if they hit the battlefield. These commanders unfortunately can just steamroll, yep. um, and and that's fine. You know, you can build them fair, you can build them crazy, but even when they're built fair, they can they can go insane. But Tabrex, I think, is going to be an extremely popular commander card. I would not be surprised if this is one of the more popular commander decks because if you already have the Shadowborn Apostles, if you were one of the lucky few that bought into them before it went literally insane um, <laughs> price-wise, um, I, I mean, I, I would love to play against one of those decks again or try one out. I've never played it because I own three whole Shadowborn Apostle and that's not enough. You need, you need specifically the right number and uh, I don't have that number, right? So or in multiples of that number. <laughs> I'm I'm very much looking forward to changing out my Kyrick for Tabarax and running my Shadowborn Apostle deck because I do own thirty Shadowborn Apostles. <laughs> <laughs> so the next commander we're going to talk about is you know an old favorite for allies. Mm -hmm. This is Tazri. This time it's Beacon of Unity. So Tazri is a 5 CMC human warrior. So for 4 and a white, you get a 4-6. It says this spell costs 1 generic less to cast for each creature in your party. So cool, we get the party mechanic on a legendary. It's awesome. Um, it has an extra ability. It says uh, you can pay either 2 or a blue, 2 or a black, 2 or a red, or 2 or a green. So you can pay 
blue, black, red, green, or you can just pay eight generic mana or any combination of that. So I want you to say you can pay two and a black, red, green, or two and a blue, red, (laughs) (laughs) or four and a blue, black. (laughs) It does. If you do have any cards that uh, reduce cost of activated abilities, it can reduce either the colors or the color list, depending on what card it is. So... (laughs) Do that I'm with still laughing right now. <laughs> We're also recording from home this week, so it's it's a little more difficult. He's watching me on camera right now. <laughs> uh-huh. Got you. So this activated ability that costs the amount that I just talked about uh, says to look at the top six cards of your library, you may reveal up to two cleric, rogue, warrior, wizard, or and or ally cards from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So it, it is nice, you know, uh, Wizards of the Coast did not bring the ally mechanic back into Zendikar Rising, but they knew that people, you know, Tazri is definitely, the original Tazri is all about allies, to search your deck for allies by, by paying Wooberg into it. Um, so they knew that people wouldn't want Tazri without that ally. I'm actually pretty happy, given that we don't have ally in the set, that this particular card still got ally on, on its face. Fantastic. I'm really happy about that as well. So you're, you're going to, I mean, if you're going to play this, um, if you if you get your whole party out there, I mean, Tazri does only cost one white mana for a 4-6. That's absolutely fantastic. Maybe you're going to be able to do that. Most of the time, you're probably going to, you know, reduce the cost by two and three mana for a 4-6 is absolutely amazing still. Um, you're probably going to play this either ally tribal or you're going to play into the party system. And if you play into party, I do recommend that you try to go into like the hate bear kind of style. Um, if you don't know what a hate bear is, a hate bear is a two, two creature that has some sort of ability that makes it so your opponents, uh, it's harder for your opponents to do things. So a lot of the Thalias are considered hate bears that make it so your opponent's non-creature spells cost extra or their stuff enters the battlefield tapped. Um, but you, it's, it's going to be most likely a swing to win strategy and you're going to be able to play five colors, all the creatures that you want that at least fit one of those creature types. And and it's nice because the, the ability itself says, says cards um, and, and it doesn't have to be a specific creature it just has to be a cleric rogue warrior or wizard spell so you can grab cards like crib swap that has changeling yes. it is in fact um every creature type so that 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 is an interesting play here because you don't have to just grab creatures um the cost reduction is also fantastic i would rather pay one mana and then three mana and then five mana for my creature um, instead of paying five and then seven and then nine you're likely going to have clerics rogues warriors and wizards um and then it obviously it doesn't count ally towards the party mechanic um but the fact that we can grab allies here is still really fun my my question for you coilers does this fit into your morophon tribal everything deck this does not fit into my morophon tribal everything deck uh because tazri would only be reduced by one mana and let me tell you there are not a lot of clerics rogues warriors wizards or allies in my morophon deck there's a lot of there's there's let's just say there's more nightmares cats beasts and all the weird stuff in that deck there's more nephilim yeah exactly yeah yeah i I wasn't sure because this does seem like you could build a really really unique um tribal deck um i mean changelings you can still add to tazri because they count as all the creature types so you still can grab at least um two of them i think this would be a really fun 
re really fun deck to play. I don't know if those folks that are huge ally supporters are going to want this over the other, but I think this Tazri works well with the other, um, but I think the other one, if you're playing an ally deck, you probably want the other. This, if I was to build a party deck, I would probably build this or I would build the Limbala deck personally. Yep. I think this one, I, 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 the only reason I would pick Tazri over it is because you get five colors. That's that's it though. Sure, sure. The, you know, the next the next card here is Yasharn, Implaceable Earth. So this is um, a an elemental boar. It's a four four for two and a green and a white. So it says when Yasharn enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic forest and a basic plains, reveal them, put them into your hand and shuffle your library. And then it also says players can't pay life or sacrifice non-land permanents to cast spells or activate abilities. So this is a hate boar. Big. Um, not, <laughs> not a hate bear, it's a hate boar. Um, so <laughs> um, to be fair, this, this, this card is great that it grabs you two lands. It feels like card draw, putting them into your hand. Um, you know that in two turns, if someone removes Yasharn, you'll have at least the mana to cast it every single time two turns later, if, if nothing else. That's, that, that's really nice. It's literally the, the the biggest note that I have for this one as well. We didn't compare notes before this. We did not. We did not. We, we, we do like to keep our notes separate because then it like surprises each other. But, you know, this card shuts down aristocrat strategies, which honestly happen more often than you think. So even if you're not playing like white, black or mono black or black, red aristocrats and, and doing some crazy stuff, occasionally there's a lot of spells like fling, bone splinters, blood for bone, eldritch evolution that just... I'm going to grab something bigger, but I have to sac sacrifice a creature in, you know, in addition to casting the spell. This really shuts those down. And I, I, I've seen a lot of discussion about this card. It costs four, completely reasonable. Mm -hmm. It, It's legendary. You can throw this in Captain Sisse extremely easily. Yeah. You can throw this in a Karametra deck because you're already ramping and you're grabbing lands. Um, personally... I think this card is a really great 99 card. Yes. I don't know if I would build a commander deck around Yasharn, but I do think that this will be seen pretty often. And I think very often it's going to unintentionally shut down one deck like a lot. Mm -hmm. And, but I mean, to be fair that, I mean, some cards are meant to do that because then you can get around those strategies. But I, I personally, and I, and I think you too, we, we gravitate, we have those cards. We, we will build occasionally cards that just require you to sack something or, an aristocrat strategy and this seeing this on the other side of the battlefield i would be like well good luck to me <laughs> i don't know what i'm going to do now right right <laughs> and and since this is the last legendary elemental that we're talking about i want i just want to say uh horde of notions commander decks and morophon elementals commander decks got so much stronger just yeah. from these legendary creatures. Uh, I mean, being able to cast Yasharn for, for just two mana in a Morophon deck or being able to return it uh, from the graveyard to the battlefield with a horde of notions um, and, and, you know, even blinking Yasharn to get lands out of your deck. Um, it's, it's, it's a very, very good staple along with all the other elementals that we got in this set. Yeah, I agree. So the next legendary we're talking about is Zagras, Thief of Heartbeats, which is a brutal name. So I you know how, how proud I was of posting <clears throat> the, the, the lyrics to um, Heartbeat song 
um, with, with Zagris on, on our Twitter. I was like, this is my heartbeat. So, I was so proud. And I was like, this was the dumbest tweet that I've ever posted. And I got so many likes. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> it's awesome. So Zagris Thief of Heartbeats is a 6 CMC 4-4. But wait, it's not that bad, I promise. So it's a vampire rogue um, that has flying, death touch, and haste. So great keywords. But it also costs one less for each creature in your party. So it could potentially only cost black red to cast. It has two extra abilities on top of what we've already talked about. And that's other creatures you control have death touch. And whenever you can, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. So <laughs> very anti-planeswalker. Um, I have not read uh, the two story spotlights so far that have been released to know if Zagras actually is like anti-planeswalker. Maybe he's trying to kill the planeswalker on Zendikar. Um, but when I saw this, when I saw this card, I know I think I saw MTG Goldfish talk about it too. It's like six CMC for this four four isn't that great but four cmc for this four four is awesome and two cmc for this four four is insane um and and the strategy i would implement if you were running this as your commander is try to give all of your creatures trample so that the death touch you only have to do one damage to any blocker and it dies and all your trample damage gets through i know um hepatra is uh is is a a big proponent of that but it's in black green so you're not going to be able to get your green snakes in there um but so uh, maybe this is uh going to be a, a, a the the black red hepatra um it doesn't care about my one my one counters i think more about the death touch um but yeah, I, I mean, there's not so, much else to it. So for, I, the problem was, I, you know, it's really hard. Sometimes you read, you read an article, you read something, and it clouds your judgment, and, and you have a hard time looking at other strategies because you're like, oh, that just works so perfectly. You know, friend of the show, uh, EDHD underscore Andy, mm. um, is writing for Cardsphere now and wrote an article on Zagris. And um, so I really loved the strategy that he went with, which was, pingers that deal one damage to each creature or you tap it to deal a damage to a creature or a planeswalker so things like dagger caster or goblin chain whirler when they enter just literally wipe your entire your your, your opponent's entire board mm -hmm. um <clears throat> olivia valderin just pay one in a red you know, take a creature out because she has death touch um so there's a bunch of creatures that can ping or or just kill and then um Goblin sharpshooter, right? You tap Gob to do one damage and untap <laughs> and every it, time a creature dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some really crazy strategies you can go with. Um, I thought it was really, really interesting. So if, if you haven't checked it out, um, you know, check out um, Andy's article over on um, blog.cardsphere.com. Um, I really like the strategy of of pingers here. Giving all of your your creatures death touch is so strong. Yeah. It's, I don't even want to swing into you because there's nothing I can even do about that. I don't want to lose my creatures. So instead, I'm just going to swing at another person. And and then they're going to be like, well, what the heck? We need to work together. Well, I can't get around that death touch. Yeah. So you need to go first, I guess. Yeah, I know. And we've, we've, we've both had to play against uh, Sidri decks when when uh, Caltrops gets reanimated or gets animated. Uh, in, and has touch. death touch and yeah. you go well I, I literally can't swing do you have any options and you just go well let's hope for the best in the next you know 
you know, two, three turns that we get something. Once that's online, that's really hard, like with, with a deck like that. And I feel like this deck is scooching under the radar. I have not really heard a ton about this deck yet, um, but I, I feel like this deck is actually really strong. Yeah, Death and Touch is a very affordable. underrated It's a Death Touch is a very underrated mechanic, and I think that's exactly why. I Yeah, yeah. Um, the next card, the next commander here is Zareth San, the Trickster. So this is a 4-4 four, four Merfolk Rogue for three, a blue and a black that has flash and an ability that says pay two generic, a blue and a black. Return an unblocked attacking rogue you control to its owner's hand. Put Zareth San, the Trickster, from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. And when Zareth San deals combat damage to a player, <clears throat> you may put target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So... Super solid ability, super mm -hmm. solid resolution of, a. I mean, getting somebody else's card, period, and it's it could be a land, it just says permanent, it doesn't have to be just a creature, is really great. And we got a ton of rogues this set, this time around. Rogues are fantastic. Um, I feel like this ability feels like Commander Ninjutsu, but unfortunately, it has to be in your hand. Yep. So as a commander, I, I'm, not, I'm not sold on this card as the commander in the 99 of a rogue deck, 100%. This is gonna be a solid staple. I mean, for four CMC, and there's a lot of rogues that cost one and two that have flying, it's gonna happen immediately. Um, I think this card is is really, really good. Um, and you can put permanence. So like I said, you can put a land, you can put a creature, you can put an enchantment or an artifact. It just, that's that's what matters here. Um, I, I think um, the the benefit is that you're you're in a deck that already has rogues, so it's just benefiting from other cards that are already out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think if if this particular creature did not have flash on the face, it would be much 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 worse. I think flash is actually kind of a saving grace for it, um, allowing you to you know maybe you you're not going to be able to sneak it in from the command zone, but you can at least cast it at the end step of the player's turn right before you um sure and and maybe you're gonna dodge some removal um i think playing this in a ninjutsu deck just makes sense and blue black is the best combination for mill and you're gonna want to mill your opponent so they have some sort of graveyard for you to reanimate and when andy plays his joda deck i'm gonna mill his omniscience and i'm gonna steal it from him and i'm gonna cast all my stuff for free <laughs> That that's what's actually going to happen, and and you know what? I'm not even going to be mad because omniscience is only ever cheated out, and when when it happens, the game just goes crazy, and it's always fun to see because that's commander. That's true. So the next legendary creature we're going to talk about is Verizol, the Split Current. So this one it's actually the divided. It's actually the divided stream. This oh, it's the divided stream. Uh, it, I it is. Oh, okay. So, so, so Scryfall is incorrect then. Scryfall has the split current and Wizards actual preview says the divided stream. And I think it's, it was a translation based on the actual preview because the preview, I believe, was in Spanish. Yes. Yes, it was. So it's just, I think, a translation here. So, um, so yeah, so Vazeral says uh, when Vazeral enters the battlefield, enters with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each mana spent to cast it, which is important because it costs X green blue and you get a zero zero. So um, that does mean that if X is zero, you still spent two mana to cast it and it's still going to come in with two plus one, plus one counters. 
Mm-hmm. It also says whenever you cast a kicked spell, you may remove two plus one plus one counters from Varazol. And if you do, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. And as the extra caveat, if the copy is a permanent, you just get a token that is a copy of that permanent. So this particular deck is Simic that cares about plus one plus one counters, which is a common Simic theme, but it also cares about kicked spells, which is one of the first one of the first times we've seen. Uh, yeah, people are, are talking about Halar the Fire Fletcher and saying, wow, she got she got booted to the back of the room. Halar does a different thing. So yeah. I think I think to be fair, they're not really on even footing to compare these decks. They do different things. One is red green, one is blue green. So Halar can scale in different ways um, than than this, but I, I I do really like this card a lot. Yeah. Um, I haven't I haven't seen too much talk about it. It is a relatively new spoiler. Yeah, this um, one came out yesterday, so we we've only had a couple a couple hours to actually look into this card. Yeah, and I and I don't even know about the rulings in terms of uh, if multi kicker counts as kicker. If you can get like double ever flowing chalices when you cast them or or something like that. Um, so I so think... there's discussion on multi-kicker, and okay. the Scryfall search is that there's 70, 73 cards based on Scryfall that have kicker, but a portion of those are actually multi-kicker. Right. I it couldn't. I didn't. I didn't have those separated. Um, but it 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 does. It is really nice that this card does in fact say that um, creatures um, that that you do cast with this card. Um, a copy of a permanent spell becomes a token. So if you're casting a creature with kicker, you do get two of that creature and a kicked spell copied is kicked as well. So if you kicked a creature that has a benefit, you get that kicked benefit twice, Yeah, which is really, really cool. Um, so there's also a lot of discussion about whether or not you can scale extremely quickly with this card. So kicking something like Grow from the Ashes with removing two counters from Verizal gets you four lands. Is that great? Not sure. Is it fun? 100%. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I want to be doing with this. And you want big mana, obviously, to cast Verizal because you want more than just two counters on it, although you can cast it for four. If you cast it for six, you can you can double two kick spells. Um you're in blue green. You're probably not going to have a problem getting to big mana. That's right. And, and again, like like the Hydra Growth card we talked about before, and you keep doubling all the plus one plus one counters. Maybe you're only going to be casting uh, one kicked spell on your turn, so you're only going to need three counters on your commander at all points in time. The fact that you can cast him for two CMC, I think, is really really strong for commander. Um, and the fact that Rite of Replication is a legal card in this deck as the commander is insane. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't I didn't even think about Rite of Replication because I was more concerned about ramping my lands out. Yeah, Gross. I, want, I want 10 tokens of a creature. That's what I want. Yeah, I, I feel like this deck would be extremely fun to play. Yes. I don't think there's any, I you know... It's going to be like 15 weeks from now and and people are going to say this this card's broken or something but cuz it's cuz it's in standard and it's simic and it has an x in its spell and I'm sure someone will break it but <laughs> but on face value and it, this this just seems like a fun deck 
And, and one that I, I said, you know, I'd really like to play a kicker deck. I didn't play Halar because I had too many red green decks at the time, but I think I only have one green blue deck and um, it, it completely different strategy than this. Yeah. So this, I, this deck seems like really fun and like one that I would actually like to try out. Yes. I do think that this of, of all of the legendary creatures we've talked so far, this is probably the weakest creature to put in the 99 because it only cares about kicked spells. Right. So right. you need to build around it. I agree. And the last, uh, the last legendary creature that has that has spoiled thus far. There's only a few more cards that are coming out, um, so there may or may not be any additional legendary creatures. Um, is Cherex the Split Current? So this is actually a creature that was spoiled today. It is a legendary Leviathan Crab. It is a zero seventeen for two blue blue. That says spells your opponents cast that target Cherix the Raging Isle costs two more to cast. And you can pay three and Cherix gets plus X minus X until end of turn where X is the number of islands you control. So it has real high toughness, the largest toughness of any creature that's ever been printed. That crab's got a big booty. That crab has a badonkadonk and Mm -hmm. it's... It's throwing it back. It's cool. This card is really cool. Um, So, you know, immediately looking at at ways you could utilize this card, you know, in in the 99, I feel, you know, I've I've got three, you know, three different decks that I was thinking about here, right? So you've got Phoenix Mill. Okay. And you can mill 17. Yeah. um, Because you mill for toughness, Mm -hmm. correct? Yep. So, so you're milling for 17. That's a, uh, that's a uh, really nasty. That's a lot of cards. <laughs> it, it, it is. And I, I, you know, to be fair, I think, I think mill does not get enough love and it 17 is enough that it could start making, making a difference. Yeah. Um, to the point where someone actually starts worrying, oh, shoot, I'm just going to lose if I don't do something about it. Now, we got Bruvac. I have not had the pleasure of playing against a Bruvac deck or even seeing one played at this point. I probably should just YouTube a couple so I can see how it plays mm-hmm. um, since we do talk about mostly Commander here. But the the other deck is Arcades. Now, granted, it doesn't have commander. There are ways to defender. give it command or defender. What did I say, commander? You say commander, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have commander. That's You're true. correct because no cards have that, Andy. That's correct. No cards have commander. <laughs> um, so it doesn't have defender, but you can give it defender. But there are three cards in, in Arcades that, that don't really care about defender. You've got high alert, assault formation, and Huatli, the sun's heart. And those all just say that creatures you control deal damage equal to their toughness rather than their power. So dealing 17 off of a 4-4 is just ridiculous. But you can play card like, like um, uh, uh, the is it Dragon's Throne? Um, it gives your creature defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me, let me look that up. Dragon Throne NTG. Dragon Throne of Tarkir. Yep, so this card is a legendary artifact equipment that says the equipped creature has defender and pay two. You can tap it and other creatures you control, gain trample and plus X plus X, where X is this creature's power. That's really funny 
because the creature's power is zero. <laughs> but it has Defender, which then Arcades can, you know, allows to attack then right. and deal damage. Um, I think this this can probably, if you build this as the commander, would be great as a Voltron deck with some evasion. Mm -hmm. um, maybe adding all the spells that care about Leviathans. There's a lot of those. Whelming Wave, um, Slim Voda, things that will allow you to benefit and everybody else is like, yeah, I'm not playing Serpents, Leviathans, Octopus, and whatever else. Those There's usually like four. Yeah. I think you're going to benefit. But the, the piece de resistance... Mm is crab tribal oh because there's 23 crabs including cherix five more changelings in mono blue mm -hmm. and then colorless cards like birthing boughs which spits out crabs yeah which uh, by the way seems really fun that you're gonna build crab tribal because yeah. there's so much tribal support in colorless that you can just you're just gonna go create tonight i'm playing crab tribal I'm sorry, what? Uh, we, yeah. We're serving it in the half shell tonight. I don't like crab. Do you like crab? Uh, crab cakes sometimes if it's like seasoned, right? I'm, I'm kind of picky when it comes to that. I don't do seafood at all. I was told that crab is better than lobster. Yeah, but it it's better than lobster. Yes. You know, all I see though when I see these is like clarified melted butter and you're dipping fish in it. And I'm always like, that's... Nothing it's, about what's happening right now seems even remotely appealing to it's, me. It's crazy how tasty butter is. <laughs> I put a lot of it on popcorn in my day. Yep. So, and, and you know, I also really like, can we talk about how sad I am? I can't go to the movie theater right now because I used to go to the movie theater by us just to buy popcorn and bring mm -hmm. it home because it's better than anything you can pop or make yourself. Don't at me. Because I do make homemade popcorn with the kernels and the salt. And it's just, I really want that really awful oil that they put on the popcorn. It's oh, just yeah. it's just so good. But back to crabs. Yeah. So, and not put not dousing it in butter and playing magic with them. So so <laughs> the the two comments I had about Cherix is one, if you're playing this and you're gonna activate Cherix's ability. Make sure you don't have 17 or more islands on the battlefield. <laughs> Otherwise, it just dies. And the other you one. You can't even do it if you have more than eight. If you activate it twice and you have eight lands, oh, true. that's the most you can do is 16. Yep. If you have nine lands, you can only activate it once. Right. So it'll just die. Uh, the other legend, the other commander, I think this would go really good in the 99 with, and it's it's a partner, so it doesn't actually share any colors with it yet, but hopefully you can do a partner that does, is Ikra Shadiki, the usurper. Um, so this is the... You don't the, hear that one often pop up as the, here's the one to play. You, you're darn too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ikra Shadiki is, the, is a Golgari partner um, that was printed alongside uh, Rayhan, the other Golgari partner. So it's a 3-7 menace. It says whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. Uh, and, it, and it has partners. So obviously Cherix doesn't have any power to begin with, whether you are going to give it like one power just with an anthem or, you know, Ikra not even being in the colors that Cherix is. Maybe you're not going to have too many islands uh, in order to, you know, it'll, it's only going to give Cherix maybe um, one power, but you're going to be able to gain 16 life once it deals damage. Um, and then, you know, you can have that threat where it's like, oh, do I 
do I block and not let him gain the 16 or, um, but then I'm going to, I'm going to activate Cherix like eight times in response or something and just make it really big. Um, but again, I, I don't, I don't know who I would choose for the partner to go with Ikra. I think this is another instance of, I'm hoping for a good, like mono blue partner coming up in yeah. commander legends. I think yeah. mono one mono blue partner. I'm there's like, 20 decks I want to build if I can get one good mono blue partner in Commander Legends. And I'm guessing I'm going to get eight good mono blue partners in Commander Legends. You've heard it here. I expect eight mono blue good partners in Commander Legends. Better happen. It's going to be crazy. We're going to have to do this episode like seven times. Should we do an episode on every new commander? Every new commander <laughs> combination correct because we have 1500 we could just have one like 50 hour episode right because this, this is, is we're around an hour and a half right now and we had 17 yeah can you imagine 1500 there plus is no the non 1500 that are actual just there, regular there is no longer the guardian project podcast where we talk about all things magic gathering and mostly commander we are now the partner project we're we got to talk about every single partner combo. Or we actually, it's just the project and our project is talking about all of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Only if so, you pay me. Only if you pay me. Oh. <laughs> so we really hope you enjoyed our first takes on these commanders. Again, we, we had a really good time looking into some basic strategies, seeing what we wanted to do, which ones we wanted to build. Okay, Coyle, I'm putting you on the spot now. If you had to pick one of these 17, which one are you most on board with building? Or have you been the most interested so far in building? I have to pick only one. Okay, pick two. Okay, I, uh, Morag <laughs> and Drena are my two favorite here. So. Really? Not Tabarax is not hitting that? Is that number three? Uh, tab I mean, Tabarax is... Yeah. I already have it built is the thing. I'm just going to insert it as the Oh, commander. I guess. Okay, all right, fair enough. I, I, I personally, I, I really like... Linvala Shield of you know Seagate and I and I really liked Raza Royal Chaser or mm. Raza. Um, can we think, can we call her Kaza? K A Z Kaza. Yes, um, but t there's so many of these cards that I really want to put into the 99 of a, of a lot of decks. So we're likely going to have a lot more to say about these commanders as we move forward. And and we've we've started to circle back on sets to discuss which cards made an impact or which ones were the most popular when we circled back to after um, we heard about um, the state of the game and, and the state of design. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the top cards, the top five or 10 cards of each set that had come out within the last year. So I'm interested to see which of these hit the top, you know, maybe the top five of the commanders from the set based on EDHREC. So I guess, you know, we'll have to circle back probably after the new year. We need to give it a couple more than, you know, more than three months. I think it's not really, I don't think it's uh, fair enough to, to try to do that too quickly. Um, but uh, we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can find our podcast on Twitter at GuardianPod. You can find me on Twitter at ATFlory. You can find me on Twitter at WormCoilEngine. And you can also email us at GuardianProjectPod at gmail.com. Um, we want to hear about, you know, which decks you want to build. So if you're building one or you have built one, send us the deck list. Tell us what you want to build. And again, um, these are all really new. So if we miss something and you think that it's really great, you know, we'd love to talk about it. So send it our way and we will chat with you all next week. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Kazaa!